Church, let's pray, and then let's get into this word. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time tonight that we've had to gather. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place to move and to speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask you to give me words I didn't plan to say, and I ask you to speak to the hearts of the people things I did not even say. Lord, we know that your ministry is the greatest ministry. Your ministry is the most effective ministry. We know that your ministry in the earth does not sleep. It does not rest. Lord, we know that you're in this room tonight. And we're asking you to invade the living rooms and the cars and the phones of every person watching online. Lord, we're asking you right now that you would release and that you would manifest your tangible presence to us right now. Holy Spirit, we're asking for guidance, we're asking for wisdom, we're asking for you to till up our hearts to receive a word tonight. Lord, let this not just be a word that we hear and walk out with, but Lord, let it be a word that seeps into the depths of our hearts and buries deep to plant a tree that will last for eternity. God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for our pastor. We speak health to him and his wife and their newborn baby, River Ricky. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done with this church in this region. And we know that there is so much more to come. Let the loss come to you tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I'm going to preach this message tonight. I'm going to preach it. It's, gonna, it's titled, You Don't Know the Whole Story. All right? T turn to your neighbor. Don't touch them. All right? Hand sanitizer is not, not right here in the sanctuary. All right? So don't touch them, but look them in the eye. All right? Make them think you're going to give them COVID through the eyes. Right? Like, give them that, that dead pierce and say, you don't know the whole story. Come on. You know the highlights. But you don't know the whole story. Come on. You can have thousands of followers on Instagram and TikTok, and they can know every one of your posts by heart, but they don't know the whole story. They don't. My message is titled, You Don't Know the Whole Story. And tonight we're going we're gonna to visit a man who's laying by a pool. He's not on vacation. Yeah, all right, he's not on a resort in Mexico. All right, he's not enjoying himself. This is a man laying by a pool called Bethesda. And this is a man who has been lame, unable to walk for 38 years. Long time. Older than me. I'm only 20, I'll be 25 in two weeks. How about that, right? But 38 years is a long time. He's been lame, unable to walk for 38 years. And here he is laying by this pool called Bethesda. Bethesda means house of grace. And this man needs some grace. All right. He needs some healing. Being lame 38 years, that's a, that's a long time. And, and I, every time I read this story, I always imagine it. He's right there on the edge. He's right there on the edge of the pool, on his mat, laying there, and he's waiting, hoping to get into the pool of Bethesda. I want to give you some context before we read the scripture. The pool of Bethesda in scripture, you guys can be seated. We'll, we'll stand back up to read the word of God, right? But you guys can be seated for now. The pool of Bethesda has a legend wrapped around it. The pool of Bethesda, it was believed that in that time, angels would descend from heaven... 
and stir up the waters. And when they would stir up the waters, the first person to jump into the pool would receive complete healing for whatever condition they had. But it was only the first person that had access to this grace in the house of grace, the pool of Bethesda. So this was the legend wrapped around this man was laying there by the pool. And in walks Jesus, who changes everything. And this is where we begin our text in John chapter 5, starting in verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. See, he knew how long he had been there. He learned it. He showed up by the pool of Bethesda. He saw him laying there. He looked at him. And I like to imagine, maybe he asked somebody, hey, how long has he been laying there? How long has he been in this condition? And then he goes up. He learned about him. And he goes up to him and he asks him, do you want to be made whole? This is an important question. This is an important question that we get a chance to understand, especially after this series that Pastor Rick preached on oneness during the month of February. Pastor taught us that whole, the word whole, wholeness, means oneness. All right? It means nothing missing. It means everything perfectly intact, everything properly put together and complete without fragmentation. This is wholeness. Wholeness is when your body, soul, and spirit are in alignment. You know you're whole when you know that you are who God says you are. And you know you're whole when you do what you say you will do. When your body, soul, and spirit are in alignment, you are whole. And this man at the pool is fragmented. He's lying there. On his mat, hoping to get healing for his condition in his legs. And consider this man for just a moment. Lame for 38 years. It's a long time. This is denoting the idea that at one point he had feeling in his legs. At one point he, he had fully working legs. It was only, but we don't know anything else about him. That's all we know. We don't know the whole story, right? All we know is his condition. All we know is that he's been lame for 38 years. We don't know how he became lame. We don't know how old he was. Maybe it was a medical condition. Maybe nerves were damaged over time. Maybe when he was younger, he got into an accident and he became paralyzed. We don't know how it happened. We don't necessarily know how old he was. We don't even know his name. All we know is the age of the condition. 38 years lame. But we don't know the whole story. I want to read the rest of this. Jesus goes up to him and says, do you want to be made whole? And listen, the word whole there, talking about oneness. See, Jesus didn't just ask, do you want your legs working? He didn't just ask, do you want to be physically healed? He asked, do you want to be made whole? whole, denoting the idea that Jesus was not just interested in his condition. 
Jesus was interested in the context of who he was as an individual. He wasn't just there to help his legs. He was there to heal his soul. I mean, 38 years is a long time. Listen to what he says. He says, do you want to be made whole? And the man says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone goes in ahead of me and takes the healing. And Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now, now check this out. This man for 38 years been in this condition. He says people keep cutting in front of him. 38 years is a long time to be betrayed. 38 years, you see some death in family members. See, we don't know the whole story. We don't know everything this man has been through. We don't know his upbringing. We don't know what got him in this state. We don't know who overpromised him and underdelivered. We don't know who ignored him. We don't know who pushed him aside and talked about him. We don't know what kids came up and made fun of him just laying there lame by, beside the pool. We don't know the context of his story. And 38 years is a long time to write a story. Jesus was not just interested in the condition. He was interested in the context. And as soon as he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk, the man is healed. He picks up his mat and he walks. But this is the day of the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do any work, right? But here he is. He's walking and he's got his mat. And I'll just tell you the story. He's walking with his mat, and some Pharisees call him out and say, Hey, you're breaking the law. You shouldn't be carrying your mat. It's the Sabbath day. We do no work on this day. This is the Lord's day. And the man simply says, The man who made me whole said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. And they asked him, who is this man who told you to pick it up and walk? Are you understanding? They are totally ignoring the fact that this man was lame and now he is healed. They're more concerned with the mat than they are with the miracle. Isn't it just like religion? Just like religion to, to point out your mistakes and to ignore the miracle. It completely bypassed the fact that you've been lame there for 38 years. How about look at the context of someone's life? Lame for 38 years, healed in a moment, walking away with his mat, and they say, hey, you shouldn't be walking with your mat like that. Isn't that just like religion? To say, hey, you're not doing it right. Sorry. Maybe I forgot that rule. Maybe I forgot that Sabbath rule over the 38 years where I didn't need to remember that rule. Because I was only doing what I knew to do. I was only doing what I could do to live and to survive laying there on a mat. There was no other way for me to live. Sorry I forgot that rule. I'm not supposed to carry my mat on the Sabbath day. Sorry. But isn't that just like religion? More concerned with your mistake than your miracle. You don't know the whole story. None of us know the whole story. We have to consider the context of this man. Let's consider him for a moment. 
let's just dive into this. I know I keep saying the, the, the number 38 years is a long time, but that's a long time. Listen, let's get to this man for a moment. Let's step into his shoes and think about his situation. If I'm this man who's been lame for 38 years and suddenly I get healed and these guys are giving me a hard time about carrying my mat, I'm not going to be so nice to them. I don't know about you, I'm not going to be that nice. Like you don't know like I know, man. Did you not just see there was a miracle that just took place? Now you want to judge me for the mat? I would be livid. We don't know anything about this man except that he was lame. We don't know his name. We don't know his age. Yet we know the age of his condition, which, which shows us that his condition took more significance than even his person. Don't we do that? We, we, we give people's condition more significance than their purpose and, and their person and who they are as a child of God. And we, like, we, we say, oh, I know them. They're the one that did that. Oh, I know them. They said this to so-and-so. Oh, they're the ones that did that over in that church. And we completely forget their name. We don't know anything about this man except his condition. We don't know the whole story. 38 years, been betrayed, been cut in line, kicked aside, ignored, probably made fun of. And I, like, put yourself in this guy's shoes for a second. 38 years lame, meaning one point he could walk. Meaning he remembers a time when he could walk. Now, 38 years is a long time. Let's just think about 10 years. 10 years into this 38-year journey. All right? 10 years in, you're lame, and you're sitting there, you can't walk. I think at this point, you can still remember when you were a kid. You could remember walking and running and jumping and swimming Ten years in, you can remember the feeling you had when you could run. You, you can remember the feeling of the blades of grass brushing up against your legs and the wind blowing through your hair as you run. You can remember those feelings ten years in. But what about twenty years in? Twenty years in, you're still hoping for that miracle. You're still hoping that you'll get in that pool, that someone will help you out and get in there so you can get your healing 20 years in it, but at this point, 20 years has gone by and you've been betrayed a little bit more. People said, yeah, I'll help you in, no problem. When the, when the water's stirred, I'll help you in. And then they help someone else in. 20 years is a long time. But what about 30 years? At this point, I mean, do you still have the hopes that you will one day walk again? At this point... Most likely, this man has been lame longer than, for, for longer than he was able to walk. For most of his life, he's been lame at this point. Do you still have the hope that one day you'll be healed and whole? At 30 years, more betrayals, more hurt, more pain, more waiting, more letdowns. Now we're here at 38 years. And Jesus looks at this man and says... Do you want to be made whole? I don't think Jesus asked that question harshly. A lot of people preach that like, like, do you even want to be whole? You're sitting there for 38 years. You're going to make your move. You're going to go for it. What, what are you doing? Do you, do you even want it? I don't think that's the way Jesus asked that question at all. I think Jesus said, after all this time, 
and all your letdowns, do you still want to be made whole? After all this time and all this context, do you still have the dream in your heart? Do you have any hope left? A lot of letdowns. Is there any hope left? I think that's what Jesus was asking. I think he was asking, after all this time, do you still want to be made whole? Because if so, I have the power to give it. I think that's what Jesus was asking. See, I think Jesus approached him not just addressing his condition, but addressing the context of who he was as a person. And this is good news. Can I tell you, Jesus knows the context of your story. Everybody else knows the highlights. They know little bits and pieces. They know the preview. They know what you want them to know, but they don't know the context. Jesus knows the context. I'm reminded of a story where Jesus meets a woman at the well. And Jesus is talking with her. And he says, will you give me a drink of water? And they're talking, and then Jesus asks this question. He says, well, he didn't ask. He said, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. What was he saying? He was saying, if you knew my context, you'd be asking me for a drink. If you knew the whole story... If you knew who you were talking to, you would be asking the right question. And then Jesus says to the woman, she says, go back to your husband now. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You've had four. And now the one you're with is not your husband. And this woman is astonished. She's amazed. She runs back home to her hometown. And check out what she says. She runs back to her hometown and she says, Everybody come and meet the man who knows everything I ever did. Rewind. I don't know about you, but if I met someone who knew everything I had ever done, I would not be wanting to bring them to my family reunion. You're not invited to my small group. Okay, I, like, I avoid people from high school, man. Now, if I meet someone who knows everything I've ever done, I don't want you talking to nobody in my life today, right? Now, think about it. Like, someone who knows everything you've ever done, that means they know everything. That means they know everything you've ever done, every lie you've ever told, every website you've ever searched, and the incognito tabs, too. They know all that, right? Come on, they know everything. They know everything you've been dishonest about. They know every everybody you've hurt. They know everything you've ever done. Yet this woman runs to her hometown, enthusiastic, can't wait to tell everybody, come meet the man who knows everything I've ever done. Now, Let's put ourselves in the shoes of a townsperson right now. This woman comes running in. Everybody come meet the man who knows everything I've ever done. Now you're a townsperson. You're thinking, lady, we know what you've been up to. Like, we know. Like, I'm friends with three out of four of your exes. We all hang out. Like, we know. People talk, you know, kind of the talk of the town. We know what you've been up to. Like, we don't really need to talk about this guy who knows everything you've ever done. We know. But this woman, 
didn't just meet a man who knew everything that she had ever done. He knew the whole story. He knew the context of everything. He didn't just know every bad thing she had ever done. That was what the townspeople knew. The townspeople knew every bad thing she had ever done. They knew the bad highlights of her life. But I think that this woman came running to the townspeople saying, come meet the man who knows everything I've ever done. And they're like, we know what you've done. And she says, no, you don't know the whole story. You only know the highlights. You got to meet this man who knows the context, the entire of who I am you got to meet him because he had grace for me even though he knows everything about me every mistake I made everybody that hurt me everything I did wrong he knows everything and he still loves me that's the story he knows the context I wrote this down Religion judges your condition before considering your context. I'll say it again. Religion judges your condition before considering the context of the story. Listen, if Jesus thought that you weren't worth dying for, he wouldn't have done it. If he didn't think that dying on the cross would have done the job for you, If he didn't think that would have paid the price, he wouldn't have went. But he went. Which means even though he knows the context, even though he knows the whole story, he still died for you. He still went to the cross. His back lashed with 40 lashes, beaten and bruised, put a crown of thorns on his head, nailed his hands and his feet, pierced in his side. He did it all for you, knowing everything about you. Not anything missing. Wholeness means nothing missing. Nothing fragmented. There are no holes in the story that Jesus has. Jesus knows everything. And I think he looked at this man, the pool of Bethesda, and he said, I know your context. I know what you've been through. And I know that what you've been through is the reason you're in the condition that you're in now. So I'm not judging you on your condition before I consider the context. I'm going to consider your context, and I've considered it, and I want to ask you, do you want to be made whole? He says, because if you still want it, I've got it. And I believe he was talking to the woman at the well, and he wasn't judging her when he said, you've had four husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. I think he was just saying, I know everything you've done. I know all about you. I have all the context. I still love you. And I would still offer you a drink if you asked me. I'm going to go over these points one more time and then we're going to close in prayer. Number one, religion loves to point out your mistakes and ignore your miracle. Number two, religion judges your condition before considering the context. And number three, Jesus knows everything about you and he still died for you. You're still redeemable.
He knows the whole story. There's nothing hidden from other people, maybe. You, you might have some hidden secrets, some hidden things. But from God, he knows it all. And he still chose you. I want to give everyone the opportunity right now, if there's someone in this room or if there's someone online who you've not given your life to Jesus, we're going to pray a prayer in just a moment and you're going to have the opportunity to receive Jesus into your heart. I want you to understand that accepting Jesus into your heart is not you saying, okay, I'm going to try and be perfect now. Accepting Jesus into your heart is admitting that I have been so far from perfect, so I need the perfection of Jesus that's given to me by faith that he died to give me. I can't earn this salvation. I can only receive it. It's free. It's free. You don't have to, to, to be perfect. Matter of fact, to be perfect would mean that you wouldn't need it. But we all need it. And so if you're watching online or if you're in the house and tonight you want to give your life to Christ and you want to say, God, I know that you know the context of my life and I know that you love me relentlessly anyway. You chose me despite all that I, all that I know, all that they know, all that you know. God, you chose me. You set me apart. You ordained me. You, you, you set me aside. You loved me. You sent me here to this earth. You chose me in my entirety my wholeness you chose me and if tonight you want to say God I choose you back then repeat this prayer after me dear heavenly father I thank you that you love me heavenly father I thank you that you're speaking to me right now heavenly father I thank you that you sent your son to die for me to cover the cost of all of my sins. God, I understand that the cost of my sins is death. And you sent your son to die in my place so that I could live. Father, I believe in your son, Jesus. I receive you into my heart. I ask you to make me clean. Wash me with your blood. Make me new again, like a newborn baby. Just as you said, Jesus, make me born again. Brand new, a new creation. God set me apart. Wash me clean and guide me in your will. Speak to my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Infiltrate every area of my life. Come into my job. Come into my family. Come into my church. Father, come into my home. 
I invite you in every area of my life because you know every area of my life and you chose me anyway. And today, Jesus, I choose you. In your wonderful, holy name, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer tonight, welcome to the family of God. Heaven is rejoicing right now because you have just joined the family of God, adopted by the true vine of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the family.